Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports betting network. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into the Lombardi Line. This show presented by DraftKings alongside three-time Super Bowl-winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi, Stormy Tony, with you. So much to get into. Lots of NFL injury updates, game previews to get through over the course of the next two hours. Excited for you all to join us. And we're going to start off with the injury that has been making headlines, <laughs> Michael, every yeah. single week since Play number four, week one with the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers, Michael, after rehabbing in California, is back at the Jets facility full time. And head coach Robert Sala said at his media availability this morning that they are opening that 21 day practice window. He's going to get out there on the field. Well, I mean, yeah, let him try. But then yesterday on Pat McAfee's show, he kind of wasn't as positive or didn't feel like it was coming along. You know, opening the window is a procedural event that you have to do. Getting on the field is another issue. Just because you open the window doesn't mean you're going to play. It is now you're coming back. Will he be with group, with the team? I doubt it. I think he'll still be off to the side. He'll still be going through his rehab. The way he made it sound yesterday, and I don't think he was rope-a-dope in here, Stormy, the way he made it sound yesterday is it's not coming as quickly as he hoped it would. So, again, this is news. You know, this what's great about this news is it keeps everybody's focus away from looking at how bad the Jets are on offense, that the Jets are a three-point dog at home to the Atlanta Falcons. I think it keeps all the attention away from the Jets season and focuses on, well, Rodgers is coming back. Like we focused all offseason about Rodgers being able to play. Do you know the real mystery of this whole season is what would the Jets record be if Rodgers did play? We assumed it would be they would be probably what, eleven and zero. They might be fourteen and zero, having only played eleven games. They're probably beating teams twice, you know. Well, I mean, I certainly think that it would at least be better, but he, regardless, he's still going to have that offensive line in front of him, Michael. So he's yeah. still going to have his fair share of issues. And Alan Lazard, you imagine, wouldn't be a healthy scratch if Rodgers was out there. He'd probably be p- playing a little bit better. But still. Well, so- Salah said he's going to play this weekend. They got him straightened out. So, we'll you see. know, that that changed. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, and what you said about about Rodgers and as, in terms of the way that he's going to start practicing, he's been cleared for, quote, functional football activity and will participate in individual drills to start. And then, of course, you referenced the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Here's the big quote that's been making the rounds from Rodgers yesterday. He said, I think it's always been first, am I healthy? And then are we in it? Are we playing good enough to make a run? Can I step in and protect myself and play at the level I feel I'm capable of playing? The first part is health. Can I protect myself? Can I move around the way that I want to move around? We're not at a place where I can make a decision on playing because health-wise, I'm improving steadily, but I don't have the ability to to play at this moment. And I think that the big takeaway from that, Michael, is, I mean, yeah, uh, obviously the health aspect of it that he reemphasized, but the are we in it? And w- based on when his 21-day window would come to an end, December 20th, they ha- they would have to activate him, which would be that Week 16 game at MetLife Stadium against the Commanders. And right now, where they sit with four wins only, I mean, they could, they could realistically 
be four and ten by the time that they get to that game, Michael. They're not like they're. There's more options by far of them not being in it than them having any semblance of being in it, regardless of playing the Falcons this week. I, I agree. I mean, we give we give a team that hasn't had 20 first downs in a game all year so much attention. We just think there's this magic wand. And, and I've said this many times. Whenever you use a gimmick or a one-trick pony to think to cure your team, you basically have removed discipline and responsibility. And that's ultimately what's happened here. Like, there's really no responsibility being taken for the season because it's all tied to a gimmick. It's all tied to Rodgers is going to come back off of an Achilles that we know it's almost impossible for anybody to come back off of Achilles in such a short time. And even when they do, they're not quite the same player. I mean, right. remember when Cam Akers came back, you know, it took him another six months before he got himself going. So for me, I, I think that's the case. And, and I would have a hard time believing that he's going to feel that he can protect himself. And I think that's the key part of what he said. You got to protect yourself. You got to be able to get out of the way. And I'm not sure he can do that. And this offense is going to be bad without him. And I don't think it's going to get any better with him. He can't, he, I don't think he'll be able to pre- protect himself. And to my earlier point about the offensive line, that he'll have somebody there to help him out from that standpoint either. And you reference Cam Akers. He was the quickest return by a player ever in the NFL to come back from an Achilles. And it took him five months. Rodgers is only 11 weeks post-op and he turns yeah. 40 years old on Saturday, Michael. So that's like a whole yeah. nother element of this too, that like, his age isn't helping him out in this. I know he's a medical marvel and he's got all the crystals and all of the things, but still, um, where, thing, yeah. where, where things sit right now, um, they've lost four straight. Their playoff percentage chance, according to ESPN analytics, is below 1%. They are an 18 to 1 shot to make the playoffs to miss minus 10,000. Their updated season win total, Michael, is six and a half and it's juice minus 150 to the under so no Aaron I apologize I think you're great but I'm not giving a whole lot of sense of optimism that you're going to return and that this team is going to be in a position to do anything yeah I I just don't see it I think we waste our time talking about it and the fact that we just assume he's going to make the team better is is somewhat ridiculous because I don't think that's going to be the case either his timing his execution the ability to protect you know I mean the offense Look, they, like I said, they haven't had 20 first downs in any game. The most first downs they've had in a game is against Kansas City. They had 18. Think about that, Stormy. They, they, they're a horrendous offense. Horrendous. And I don't care who's playing quarterback. I mean, I don't care who's playing quarterback. They've had three games of throwing for over 200 yards. Three. I mean, it's just absurd to think that this is just going to turn around. And, you know, and to me... What it's done is it's hidden the problems. That's really what's wrong with the team. As I say so many times, our job in sports is to figure out why you win and why you lose. And for the Jets and their fan base, it's because we don't have Rodgers. That's why we lose. And if you're naive enough to believe that, I got some Swampland in Jersey <laughs> to sell you that's, that's perfect. That's I a, mean, if you believe that, that's a I'm great excuse take care of to have, certainly. And Michael, I think that there's no questioning that the Jets have a lot of individual talent at different spots, and there's potential at some point for them to turn things around. But, I mean, this year there's no cohesion on either side of the ball. Clearly Tim Boyle is not the answer. Uh, I don't know if anyone actually thought that he would be an upgrade because clearly that pick six, Hail Mary, will say everything that we need to say about that. But – I don't know. As you look at this team without Rodgers, Michael, moving forward this week against the Atlanta Falcons, two and a half, three point spreads, depending on where you're looking, total 34. What's your outlook on them this week? Um, and and I, I know a lot of things are just being masked because all the attention is on Aaron, but the team still has to field a group and play right. this game. Well, everybody thinks, well, this is a game they could win, right? Because, look, you know, the Falcons have Desmond Ritter and he turns the ball over and he's not a very good quarterback, yada, yada, yada. Well, here's what we do know, that when you can run the football effectively against this Jet team, you're going to have much. You're going to have success. The Raiders only threw for 126 and beat them. They ran for 148. They won that 16 to 12. New England ran for 150 yards, like 57 yards. They won 15 to 10. You know, and, and the Chiefs 
ran forever. The Giants, which should have won the game, ran for over 200 yards. So the Atlanta, this is a perfect matchup for Atlanta. It's a perfect matchup for Atlanta. That's why the number moved from two and a half to three. I mean, maybe some people are going to take the three with the Jets. Good luck. But it, the one thing we do know about the Falcons and Arthur Smith is they can run the football. They can run it against everybody. They can run the outside zone. They can run inside zone. They got really good backs last week. Algier ran the ball really effectively. They let Patterson run it too. I mean, they're not going to need Ritter to make many plays in the game if they run the football. And teams, there's only been three teams all year out of the 11 that haven't run the football effectively on the Jets. There's only been three. And so, you know, they're going to run the ball. It's a tough matchup. And if they get the lead in the game, if Atlanta gets up 10-0 like a lot of teams do against them, then all of a sudden it's going to be problematic. They're not going to be able to handle it. I mean, look, the Jets are last in the league in terms of, of rushing attempts. I mean, teams run the football, don't run the ball a lot against them, but, you know, they can. Their yards they give up. They're 31st in yards allowed. So teams go in there with the mindset, we can run the ball. That's why they have so many rushing attempts against them. That's why they've given up so many yards. Yeah, and we saw Bijan Robinson get after it last week for the first time in a while, too. So hopefully he builds on that. The opportunity will definitely be there. Did you see the uh, the quote making the rounds, though, of Arthur Smith saying Kyle Pitts is a, quote, big part of the team's offense, despite not having more than five targets in a game since the middle of last month? Well, I mean, it's not. Look, Kyle Pitts, here's and I've said this the minute he got drafted. You, you cannot that when you say he's a tight end, he's got to prove not, that yeah. he can block. And when he doesn't prove he can block like Evan Ingram and like some of these other guys, that ha- they end up just being big receivers. So the defensive coordinators aren't stupid. They just put their best big cover guy on him and say, okay, get open. And if he can't get open, if he can't win the matchup, he can win a matchup against the linebacker, but nobody's going to let a linebacker cover him. Nobody's going to let a linebacker. They're going to put a corner or a big corner on him. So you lose that advantage. It, it looks good on paper. Oh, Pitts could play. T- no. We know you have no strong side run game if he's in the game on the line. You say all the time, Pitts is a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. Yeah, that's what he is. That's what everybody classifies him as. He's a tight end. He's a receiver. Don't even So when they're in 11 personnel with Pitts in the game, every defense is in dime. Okay, so great stuff on, on Jets-Falcons. And as we talk about a bunch of different quarterback things, we'll, we'll see how Desmond Ritter does in his second start back. But more quarterback news on the other side as it pertains to the New England Patriots and their situation. Bill Belichick has not named the starter this week. Big surprise. Oh. But it doesn't really matter now, does it? We'll get to that no, and a whole no. lot more when we come back here on the Lombardi line. Stay with us. This is Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you haven't become a VEASAN Pro subscriber yet, we're giving you one more chance to sign up on our best deal of the year. Sign up on our Black Friday special that's been extended today. You'll get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st for only $60. I'm telling you, that is a fantastic deal for what we do here. You get daily best bets, unlimited access to our exclusive betting splits, premium analysis, and 24-7 video, plus all of our upcoming betting guides and best bets for the College Bowl season, Super Bowl, and March Madness. This offer expires tomorrow, November 30th. So come join us quick. Visit vsin.com slash subscribe. That's how you can sign up for extended Black Friday special, vsin.com slash subscribe. Okay, Michael, we got more questions than answers when it comes to the Patriots quarterback situation. Mac Jones has been benched more times than New England has wins. <laughs> Bailey Zappi has not played a whole lot better. So the Patriots this Monday, they worked out five mm-hmm. guys and end up re-signing Will Greer, who they released a week ago of that group. Um, do you think Do you think that you just got to give the guy a chance? I don't know. I feel like nothing has worked with Mac or Bailey. Do you just throw somebody in and see if you can find some sort of spark? Yeah, I mean, look, look, I think the reason he probably doesn't do it because he's watched practice and, you know, and they're all worse in practice than they actually look like, you know, than Mac has. And, and look, <sighs> I'm not defending Mac at all. Mac is, I went back and watched it and this afternoon. I'm going to spend, a, I'm going to really go into a deep dive on Mac in terms of trying to figure out, like, how did it go from where we started as a rookie to where he was to where it is today yeah. like it just doesn't make any sense and when you look at the numbers and you you break down the games and you, you know you got to really do a better drop dive on it I mean his percentage of completion bad ball all those all that stuff that goes into it is is so disappointing and and the, but the mistakes more than anything the mistakes more than anything are what really is killer it's a killer and you know, the, the just getting rid of the ball to get rid of the ball, throwing it to another team. Yeah. I mean, this is two weeks. The Patriots have held a team to 40 points in the last three weeks. The last two weeks, teams have only gotten 24 first downs against them. But they can't score. They can't score any points at all. They have a, a halftime. They, there's only been two games all season. The Patriots have been ahead at the half, and they won both those games. And so when you add – when you add the inability of Mac to make plays, plus he gives games away, and then the rookie kicker, who's killing them. He's killing them. You know, he's 3-for-5 inside the 30. He's 5-for-7 inside the 40. Ryland, I'm talking about. And he's 1-for-3 inside the 50. He's 12-for-18 on kicks. Mm-hmm. For a team that doesn't score, you can't leave 18 points out there. Averaging just 30. 30- and, and, you yeah, know, and, and I mean, I get, I get that making a 50 yarder is difficult, but you can't, you can't miss two inside of 30. You can't miss two inside of 40. Like that's, those are points are too critical. 
Yeah, you need those points. Uh, like I was saying, they are averaging just 13 and a half points per game. It's second worst in the entire NFL. The only team that's been worse is the Giants, and they're playing a little bit better as of late. How much of this do you put on Bill O'Brien? Because he he says, put the blame on me. That's what he's been going around with. He said, if you want to blame Mac a little bit, fine. But if you want to blame anyone, blame me. He said, I'm the one who designs it, and it's not going very well. Although I did read that article well, on Sports Illustrated, and they have AI writers, apparently, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, can you imagine that? And then we're believing this and yeah. we're believing it. It's just like, you know, okay. I didn't mean to derail Again, the conversation. Go the on. Question, <laughs> ask the question, who's grading, who's writing, right? I think those are fair questions. You know, come out from behind the curtain in Pro Football Focus and come out behind the curtain at Sports Illustrated. Tell us who's doing the writing. Look, I watch the games every week closely and they're just so, they're actually, this is going to shock people. But they're actually getting – they can run the ball on anybody. They run the ball. They knock people off the ball. I mean, they ran the ball effectively on the Giants. The problem is they can't make any explosive plays. The quarterback won't hold the ball long enough to throw it down the field. They don't have enough separation down the field in man coverage. He's scared to throw the ball down the field because he's afraid it's going to get picked off. But he throws it into a group of players from time to time. And so they have to put 8, 10, 12 plays together of perfection. They can't do it. They can't put four good plays together without getting a holding call, false start. I mean, they've only had one game all year, Stormy, where they haven't turned the ball over. That was the Jets game. So they don't protect the ball. They can't make plays. And so, yeah, I mean, this is just, it's just more than just Mac is not good. But when you watch the games, if Mac was just average, this would not be a two and nine team. This would be uh you know, a, a four and seven team, probably a five and six team. I mean, they could easily make that case. I'm, I'm again, I'm not defending them. They are what they are. But when you watch the quarterback play, and you see him not make just basic high school throws, Indianapolis for a touchdown. You know, he's got he's got Juju Smith open on his hot read to his right. He throws it into a crowd to his left. Why I don't know. You know, he's mad at Gusecki because he thinks Gusecki runs the wrong route. He's got Douglas screaming wide open across his face where the ball should go on Montana, where the ball should go on the Montana play, and yet he's throwing it somewhere else. And then he's getting mad at the receiver. There's such a disconnect. And the disconnect is there because I just don't see the team buys into him. And I think to answer your original question, I'm not sure the team buys into Will Greer. I know they don't buy into Bailey Zappi. I think they don't buy into anybody. Yeah, like I said off the top, more problems and questions than answers when it comes to that group. The Patriots, uh, a six-point underdog against the Chargers this week. A one and eleven ATS their last twelve as underdogs. One and six ATS in that spot this season. You uh, trust the Chargers laying six on the road with Brendan Staley? You trust them? That's such a see. And I no. So you are tempted. <laughs> You're tempted at the number, right? At the six, but I no. Oh, that's you gotta gonna, turn the number. That's in. gonna be a that's gonna be a hard stay away for me. Although the options this week are not great, Michael. Which I'm interested yeah. your thoughts on this Seattle Seahawks Cowboys game coming up on Thursday night. Mm. We got the news today that Kenneth Walker did not practice. He obviously has been missing time. So TBD on what's gonna happen moving forward with him. Geno Smith's elbow, though, according to Pete Carroll, night and day from the way that it was a week ago. Said at practice, he's been throwing the ball all over the place. He's been full go the whole time, putting on a show. Um, quote, we don't want to make a big deal about it, but it was pretty obvious there was a big difference. So are you buying that Seattle will be able to take a step forward against this stout Cowboys team? Well, look, I think when you go back and study Seattle's season, I think you could sum up their, their inability to match their play from last year in the fact that they can't run the football. I mean, that's really where they are. They're 29th in rushing attempts. They're 26th in yards. They're 21st in yards per attempt. I mean, last year, they were 7th in yards per rush. They could run the ball. This year, in every game, they've run the ball for over 100 yards, put them down for a win. In every game they have it, put them down for a loss. I mean, they just have not been able to, to get the balance that they need. And when you see it, you know, Gino is he the same player? No. You know, last year... He, he was 11.8% of bad throws. This year, he's up to 14.7. You know, last year, 
he was 78.8 on target, almost a 79% on target with every throw. This year he's down to 73.5. So he's not playing as well, but he's having to throw the ball way more than he needs to run throw the ball. And that's not a good thing. That's not something that really will work for him. And I think that, that that's been the biggest issue is when they don't have balance, when they can't run the ball and they get behind and their opponent this week is the king of getting ahead, that compounds the problem, right? I mean, think about this. This Cowboy team has scored 214 points in the first half. They're averaging 19.4 points a game. They give up 8.9. They're going into halftime with an 11-point lead. Last year, the Eagles were the best team in the league in that category. They allowed 17. They scored 17.4 points and allowed 10. Yeah. And again, those challenges, running the football, Kenneth Walker did not practice, going to be out for this game. The spread right now down from nine and a half to nine. And Seattle has gone 20 straight drives now, Michael, without a touchdown, the longest active streak in the National Football League. They had that yeah. five and two start, now lost three of their last four, and the lone win being against a lowly commander's team. Got a tough stretch ahead at the Cowboys this week, at San Francisco, and then against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we, we've got about one minute left here. I don't know, I'm sure you did see the report, but Shaq Leonard, of course, leaves his visit with the Cowboys without a contract, which was expected. I know he still has another visit on on the radar. Do you think that Dallas could be a spot for him that he lands? You know, I didn't think Zach Shaq played very well. I, I could see him, you know, having a hard time depending on what he wants contractually. You know, I, I, I think it's, is he going to move the needle for somebody's defense? I, I don't see it. I really don't. I, I mean, based on the, they would not have cut him with that guarantee if they thought he could give them something. I just think, to me, he's not come back from that injury and has looked like the player he once was. So if you're a team, you're not interested? I mean, look, the Eagles, you know, they have nobody, so they're probably thinking, okay, we'll get a veteran. (laughs) Zach Cunningham got hurt, but it depends on the money. If he comes in for the minimum, then okay, of course. But if he wants more money and he's got teams competing for him, that's a soft no for me. Yeah, it's unfortunate the the fall that really, really talented players can have when injuries catch up with them in that way. Also, uh, Micah Parsons didn't practice yesterday dealing with an illness, but I think all expectation is that he should be good to go, but just good to know. Total in that game, 47, spread at 9. We'll be right back here on the Lombardi Line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. The holidays are here. Let Omaha Steaks take the guesswork out of gifting. Go to omahasteaks.com, save 50% off site-wide, plus when you use the promo code VSEN and check out... Get an additional $30 off your order. Send tender, juicy, butcher's cut filet mignons, mouth-watering burgers, gourmet jumbo franks, or even easy-to-prepare meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is the gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Again, that's omahasteaks.com, and take advantage of the 50% off site-wide, plus use the promo code VSIN at checkout and get that extra $30 off. Our wonderful producer, Stephanie Kamershack, said that she gets this as a gift every year, and it is like her favorite gift. Gotta I get, get all it, the goods. Stormy, why not? A- absolutely. Who doesn't like seeing a, a bunch of Omaha steaks coming through you? You got to love it. That, absolutely. That I mean, it's, picture is it's, like looking good. I'm, I'm not supposed to be this yeah, hungry I mean, at 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific. You're going to go right to Barry's right now and run down <laughs> and grab yourself a burger, aren't you? How'd you know? How'd you know? Um, <laughs> we, we got a couple more quick. Actually, really quick before we get into these injury updates. How do you like a steak prepared, Michael? What is the proper way for a steak to be prepared? You know, I, I, the way I, I've always we, we've been doing these T-bones outside or tomahawks is, you, you know, to me, it's got to be. If you go to Italy, it's really, really, really rare. Uh, it's very rare. I would say not medium, but lightly rare. You know, I mean, not not completely red, but light red. Like medium That's rare? That's kind of how I like. Yeah, well, a little less than medium, I would say. To me, in Italy, if you go to any, like if you're in Florence and you go for a Florentine steak, there's no way you're getting it. You're going to get it uh, medium rare. Yeah. It's going to be rare. I like it's gonna, and it's going to be incredible. It is. I like it on the rare, medium rare 
type side. I I do have an experience though, Michael, and I, I won't call out who the person was, but we were at Barry's and I was so embarrassed because I ordered my medium rare steak, everything's going well. This other person orders it well done and it's a filet. And so they came back and they said that they needed to butterfly it to make sure they could get it well done. And I was just so disturbed. Why is this happening? And listen, you're paying for it. Everybody gets food the way that they want it prepared. I fully support that. But I was like, I don't know why I had to be the one to take you here today. <laughs> just not the way it's supposed to be Unbelievable. done. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you can't get, I mean, well, well done is, oh boy. It, yeah. yeah. For a filet? It, no. Come on. Yeah, um, come on. Okay, you we lose got, all the taste. We have a couple all quick right. injury updates um, that I want to make sure that we get to here real quickly. Uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but now confirmed Jonathan Taylor is going to miss at least a couple of weeks with a broken thumb injury. Jim Ursay saying that at maximum it should be around two to three weeks, which is a good sign. But this is a Colts offense, Michael, that was kind of starting to find its stride finally with Gardner Minshew. Zach Moss is a great RB2, so he'll get elevated to that role. And obviously, we saw him a good bit those first four weeks of the season when Taylor was unavailable with the ankle and all the contract stuff. Um, what do you think the drop-off will be with Taylor out of the lineup? You know, I, I, I obviously they've also had Trey Sherman. Sermon's going to be in the running there too, but I don't think it's going to be a severe look. I think that what they have to do is prevent Minshew from beating them from themselves, right? And, and it's hard to run the ball in Tennessee. You're going to have to go with a short passing game. Minshew's going to have to make plays in that area. Tennessee's going to take away the run. I think the part losing Taylor is, you know, Shane Steichen's going to have to really spend a lot of time working on the run game. I don't think we talk enough about that. Designing runs that can be successful. That's the art of a really good offensive coordinator, and especially one who's hampered by a quarterback that he's got to protect from turning the ball over like he did against Jacksonville and he goes on the road and he turns it over. I think that's going to be the concern. Moss will run the ball really well. We saw him run the ball well against Cleveland at home. But when you go on the road to run the football, like when they went to Carolina, they couldn't run the ball. 78 yards rushing. You know, when they played New England over in Germany, they had 70 yards rushing or something like that. Last week at home, they had 155. Going on the road, it's harder to run the football because it's just, the, you know, the snap count, all those things. So this will be a tough challenge. The line opened, I think it was two and a half, and it's really slowly. A lot of money's coming in on Tennessee as, a, you know, getting Vrabel as a home dog, even though I don't see the Vrabel numbers mm. in terms of the, 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 the past performance, the trends, if you will, of the, of the – I don't think it applies to this team because Levis has not been very good. I mean, let's be clear. Levis has not been very good. And when Henry can't run the ball, it hasn't been very pretty. I mean, the last four weeks, Levis hasn't thrown for over 190 yards. He's been so inconsistent. He's not been able to make throws. I know they beat Carolina, but it really hasn't been very good. And the only game he played well in was the Atlanta game where he made some throws up the field and they had 226 passing yards. Other than that, it's hard for him. Yeah, and I don't know how much stock you can put in a Titans win over the Carolina Panthers that was a one-win team and just fired their coach because they've been so bad. So I'm with you there. And to your point, we get, we're down to a one-point spread now with Indy favored, total 42.5. And, and at 6-5, and five, Michael, they're in the seventh spot in the AFC right now. And very winnable games. I mean, not a super challenging slate ahead for them. No. It's made a little bit more difficult without their stud running back. But, like, Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, the Steelers who – are what are you going to get necessarily on a given day? We're not so sure. We know that their offense isn't producing. Their defense is good. Then Atlanta, Vegas, and Houston will be a tough test, but very winnable games down the stretch for this team if they're trying to get in. Especially at home, right? They get Pittsburgh at home, which we know they play better at home, right? They, get, they can run the ball at home. I mean, Tennessee, you're getting Levis, right? You go to Cincinnati for all the talk about no Joe Burrow. Cincinnati has no defense. Right. I mean, Cincinnati's defense is, is horrendous, and it's been that way all year. It's been the untold story of their season. Really, their defense is nowhere near the level. And when they go and play against anybody, they're going to make the opposing quarterback look good. And then Atlanta's the same way. You know, Atlanta, you can run the ball on them. Atlanta turns the ball over way too much. Yeah, they have a great – I wrote about this on Tuesday. They have a great opportunity to really advance – to get that seventh seed. Will they be a great seventh seed? No. Would I rather see Buffalo as the seventh seed? Yes. 
but they're in a good driver's seat. And if they don't turn the ball over, and that's something that he's done a lot. He turned it over four times against Jacksonville, came back the next week against Cleveland, turned it over four more times, and they still won that game luckily. And since then, since that game, the last four games, he's only turned it over four times. Even money price for Indy to make the playoffs minus 130 for them to miss. So still slightly favored for them to not get in. But I think it's it's pretty doable here. Another team on the outside looking in, trying to get their spot, also six and five. Those Houston Texans, Michael, and their offensive mm. lineman, Titus Howard, injured, had to be carted off the field in the first quarter in their loss to the Jags this past weekend. He's done for the season, needs season-ending knee surgery. Um, and for a unit that's done a good job protecting the young star rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, how big of a blow is is just to that group. Well, it is. I mean, you know, and they've been playing that group early in the year. When you go back to when they played Indianapolis and Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, even Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they had a bunch. He didn't play in those games. He The, the line has been kind of beaten up. And credit to Bobby Slovic and the offensive staff for kind of managing around it and still moving the football really effectively. You know, now last week I thought was the first time C.J. Stroud played like an inexperienced player. And it, and it was due to happen, right? You know, he didn't take the throws, got sacked on a three-step drop, you know, had a guy open in a flat, got sacked on a screen and a three-step drop that took him out of field goal range, basically. And so, you know, they're going to have to play better. But this team is resilient. I think the question marks about their defense are legitimate. I mean, Jacksonville moved the ball up and down the field on them. They were able to protect well enough, and they could take advantage of a secondary. And, and, and if it wasn't for the Stingley pass interference interception that wasn't called, I think Jacksonville would have been able to be further ahead at the end of the game. Yeah, certainly a lot of things they need to shore up. But they kind of hold their own fate in their hands getting to face the Broncos this week. They have the Browns and the Colts still on their schedule. Um, that Colts game, as I referenced previously, that very final game of the season. So who knows how much is going to come down yeah. to that exact game. I love the Broncos this week. Is that bad? That three and a half is no, just staring I, at me. It is. It's just, to me, it's one of those where uh, it looks too easy, right? I want to take, I, I yeah. got, I, you know, what I try to do every week is, go through the games, and then I put down what I have my lean, and I'm leaning definitely towards taking Denver in that game because Denver is playing better. Denver will be able to throw the football effectively. They can run it on Houston. I think they can control the clock. Sean will do a good job. It, you know, they've played good on the road. Uh, I think, to me, will Houston be able to run the football, whether Pierce or Singletary is the ball carrier? You can run the ball on Denver. Mm -hmm. At times, you can. I, I think that's the matchup right there, but I, I do. I like Denver in the game, especially getting the hook. I mean, if it were three, I probably would would not. The other one that jumps out to me is I, I don't understand why everybody's down on the Browns again, and the Rams are getting propped up like with all this love when I'm not sure the Rams are the better team, and I'm not sure even if Flacco plays, can he play any worse than DT than the <laughs> DTR. DTR or, you know, I mean, seriously. So if Garrett's healthy, this defense will give the Rams a lot of trouble. It's because Matthew Stafford's out here having four touchdown days, Michael. That's why. Yeah. That's why. But uh, I'm yeah. I'm not buying that story. I'm not buying that one. Brown's still one of the best defenses in the league. It's going to be a tough one. That's for sure. We've got to take a quick timeout here. But when we return, let's look at some awards markets here. Mike Tomlin making a stout display of his top defensive player, TJ Watt. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos 
in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bond and Tony with you. And as we get into some of these big NFL awards markets, some potential names that are still worth a look at this point late in the season. Michael, I want to start with Defensive Player of the Year because Mike Tomlin this week went out and said, TJ Watt is the best defensive player on the planet right now. He's the third mm-hmm. shot to win Defensive Player of the Year, an honor, obviously, that he has already had in his back pocket in the past. Do you think he is a name at plus 250 that? is worthwhile jumping in on or is there somebody else that stands out to you well I mean I think he's right I mean look you know we know this here's what we do know we know the Steelers don't win with offense we know the Steelers don't win with their passing game or the Steelers have to every defensive possession they have to play their best they have to hold teams to 20 points or under to win as as of recently and so how do they do that and if they ever played with a lead you would say, oh my gosh, how good could T.J. Watt be? Because he's always in tight games. He never really has a chance to extend himself. But I I don't know how you could disagree that he's a candidate, whether he wins it or not. Who knows the way these, the way the voters vote and how they think in these awards because they're more popularity contests. He's got, you know, especially late in the year, I think they have a game against the Patriots on national TV. I think, you know, he shows up in that game. I think there's no question he would. He's got 25 hits on a quarterback. He's got 13 and a half sacks. And we still have seven games to go. Seven games to go. And, and, and the thing is, the guy plays run and pass equally effectively. He's got an inter- he had the interception against the Rams that turned that game around. You know, he's pressuring the quarterback all the time. I, 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 I couldn't argue it. Look, Miles Garrett, to me, should win it because Miles Garrett is doing the same thing at maybe a little bit of a higher level than Watt, if there is a higher level than Watt. So, I mean, to me, Watt's in this conversation right now. Yeah, and and Garrett's the favorite alongside Micah Parsons, both of them at plus 160 right now. Garrett, of course, had the arm in the sling this past week, so you wonder down the line, health-wise, how he's going to be. But to your point about T.J. Watt and having seven games left, Michael – 
December historically has been his best month in 29 career right. December games, 21 and a half sacks, 48 QB hits, and nine force fumbles. He's got three force fumbles this year, three fumble recoveries, six passes defended as well. The big mover and shaker in this market, though, Michael, has been Deron Bland, who goes from 75 mm. to one before this past week to now 11 to one in the market. He, of course, etched his name in the NFL history books, tying a record breaking fifth pick six in week 12 against the Commanders. Yeah, I mean, look, it, what he's doing is historic. It isn't just a great season. It's historic, the way he puts the ball into the end zone. So my question to you, Stormy, is on Bland, how come he's not the comeback player of the year? Well, then let's let's get into that market, Michael, because I am curious. I mean, how is he, I mean, how is he not the comeback player of the year? Last year he only started 8 games. He he last year he didn't have an interception. Last year, you know, I think he had like 50 tackles or something like that. How come he's not comeback player of the year? If because if Deshaun... of Demar Hamlin, Michael, that's the that's the answer. Uh. That's the answer, and there's gonna be no other thing. And I, I I'm still laughing at my whole big argument and speech that I gave on Josh Dobbs uh, a week and a half ago and the way that things have transpired now. But DeMar Hamlin is still an odds-on favorite, Michael, and that number has grown back up to over the $2 price. But to your point about Deron yeah. Bland, he's not even on this top 10 odds board. Well, I mean, he had five interceptions last year, so he made plays on the ball, but he had no touchdowns, right? So he did make some plays on the football, so he was around the ball quite a bit. But this year, he's got seven interceptions and five touchdowns. I mean, how is he not the comeback player? I mean, if you don't want to give it to Hamlin, Aaron Rodgers at 10 to 1. Can you imagine that? I mean, this is unbelievable. What's TJ Watt well, coming back from? This market. I mean, what's he coming back from? This market, Michael, is in my brain, it's a joke. just pick what you want it to be. And it's whatever, yeah. whatever narrative you think that voters are going to latch the most onto is who's going to win this award year after year. And this year, it's DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, I mean, if that's what they want to do, that's, you know, to me, it's just like, if that's how you want to do it, just say it up front. We're going to give you the comeback player of the year, even though you're not playing, even though you're not. Play Look, I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, I'm not going to argue with I you. Think... If you want to give it to him, give it to him. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying, I think to me, when you look at, you know, when you look at all the players that have had, inter I mean, Geno Stone's got six interceptions. But he doesn't have any touchdowns. Jesse Bates has four, and he's got one touchdown. I mean, you have to go – the only guy that's in the top ten of interceptions that has more than one touchdown is Kenny Moore. And he's got three, three interceptions, two touchdowns. So you're talking about a guy that's done something completely historic. Now, I know he had five last year, but still, you, have five, you put the ball in the end zone five times. Mac Jones can't get the ball in the end zone five times in five games. <laughs> Uh, Deron Bland, putting uh, scoring more touchdowns than Mac Jones. Put that on a on a I headline. I mean, seriously, <laughs> he is. I mean, it's a joke. I, I, but anyway, you know, when you go back to uh, the, the we we were talking about defensive player of the year. I mean, look, Miles Garrett's great. He's got 13 sacks. He's still got seven games left to go, or six. They all have six games left to go. So we'll be able to see it. To me, what's funny is is that two is on the MVP list. And he's on the Comeback Player of the Year award. Like, do they just want to give Tua an award? I mean, is there a more popular player than Tua? Well, and he's got the league in fumbles. And he's got the in season leads hard the league knocks, in fumbles, so. right? Yeah, yeah. He leads the, he and you know leads the league in fumbles. Although we know this, I mean, we know this. If if my man in Chicago had a chance to get play a little bit more, he'd lead the league in fumbles too. But. <laughs> Come on. So who, Come on. Who, who is your MVP? Jalen Hurts is the favorite right now, plus 115. I said on McAfee yesterday, I would vote for Brock Purdy if I had a vote. I don't, I'm not hey, qualified now. to have a vote. 17 to 1. I'm not qualified to have a vote. I know. But, like, tell me, like, if you go to, if you go to pro football reference, right, and you just go to the leaders category, they have a category they call leaders, right? All it is is just the leaders of this year, Okay. So, and you go down the right side of that leaderboard, right? Passing, passing touchdowns or passer rating. And, you know, look, Sam Howell's in a lot of the top categories too that, you know, completed attempts, sacked, you know, sack yards lost. That's all Sam. But when you get the yards pass attempt, you get the passes attempt uh, adjusted yards, you get to all the numbers that matter, that matter. Purdy's the number one leader in that category. 
He's the number one leader. It's either Purdy or it's Josh Allen, and that's it. I mean, Mahomes is only in the sack percentage. That's where he is. Sam Howell's in a lot of the categories, but we know Sam Howell. I mean, he leads the league in passes attempted per game, 40. So, Michael, you know, he's got passing yards, all that. This is a market that I think is still like very much so wide open down the stretch of the season. And Jalen Hurts, I I understand why he's a favorite. They are the best team in the NFL in terms of the games that they have won, the comebacks that they have had. But I know a lot of his like rushing touchdowns are counted into that. How many of them have been tush pushes into the end zone, though? So I think that the door is still open for someone else. I like your argument with Brock Purdy. How much of an opportunity do you think he has this week against the Philadelphia Eagles going head to head with Jalen Hurts to potentially make a statement in this kind of redemption game in the NFC? Well, I mean, if he's going to have one, it's going to be in this game because when you look at the, when you break down this Eagle team and look, they're resilient, they are tough, they find ways to win games, right? They're really good in that category. But when you break down their passing defense and you break down their opponents in completion per game, you know, and, and you break down all the stats that matter the most, right? That, that, that opponents' incompletion per game is, you know, a, a stat that you look at how many times they get the ball on the ground. The Eagles do it with their front. They do that with their front because they're able to put pressure on the passer. And so for me, this is going to be an opportunity you can throw the football. You're going to be able to throw the football against Philadelphia. Philadelphia, you know, is I mean they're they're twenty first in the league in points per play mm-hmm. and points per play. Yeah. I mean you can move the ball if you block them, if you can block them. If you can't block them, they're going to win with their front. But you can block them. You can attack this secondary. I don't care if they have Slay, if they have Bradbury, if you know all of Philadelphia thinks they got five Pro Bowlers back there. You can attack their secondary. So Purdy can have a good day. They have a hard matchup in this game. They're going to have a hard matchup. Philly's going to have to control the ball 40 minutes, 38 minutes to keep it away from San Francisco because it's going to be hard for them. Yeah, he's had the best passer rating of any quarterback in the NFL each of the last two weeks, including one game that was a perfect passer rating, the first time any San Francisco 49ers quarterback had done that since Joe Montana. So call him a system quarterback all you want. He's doing really, really good things, and he is certainly relevant, Michael. we got to stop talking about this seventh-round pick, last guy in the draft. He's, yeah, a, he's, a, he's a different Eagles player. Eagles are now. last in the league with the Chargers. They're slightly behind the Chargers in allowing the most completed passes in games this year. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.